You see the editorial picture in the uh, newspaper today? During the week, I mean, it was of the three wise men arriving. And uh, it was no single picture things. And he had uh, one on the rump of one of the camels was UPS. The other one was FedEx. And one is the United Postal Service. And, uh, and they're being chastised by Joseph for being late and ruining their Christmas. They have missed the true meaning of Christmas. You wonder why the wise men arrive late. You find out, well, how late was late anyway? As we tell the story and read it today, you need to understand the wise men were not there at the stable. It said a house. You hear that in the words when I read it? They could have been there, we estimate, from as much as a year or even two years after the birth. How long it took for them to make that journey. Some assumed it was a perfect contact from then to the baby's birth, but that's not what we assume. It really came much later. We're asking ourselves, we celebrate Christmas, what is normal? What are we getting back to when we get to it? And some of that is asking about what's important and to, and to what is important in the telling of the story. The wise men are people we know very little about. We don't know for in fact how many there were. We know that there were three kinds of gifts that were given, but we have no idea how many might have delivered each kind or have shared among them what they gave. We don't know where they're from. That means how far away they traveled. We don't know how difficult the journey was. We don't know their names, their race, their nationality, their education, or their age. We don't know how long it took them or the road they traveled. We do know they went back a different way. We don't know what it cost them. We don't know what happened with their families during the time they were gone or what it was like for them as they traveled. Now, all that being said, what we don't know What do we know when we read the part of the story today? What we do know is that those people, however many they were, they came, came out of a sense of yearning to find. You might say that they were on a quest, for a quest is defined as that journey seeking something that you're looking for. They were on a quest, not knowing exactly what was going to lead, what it was going to tell them, but they came anyway. And we'll learn something today about their yearning, but also to match it with what it means for us. What is it like to yearn as they did for what God is calling us to in our lives? We're fairly accustomed to journeys, and our scripture all through the Christmas story tells about people who are taking a journey. It tells about Mary and Joseph who journeyed to Bethlehem. We learned earlier about Mary taking a journey to visit Elizabeth. We find that Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus flee a different kind of journey into Egypt, knowing that someone was coming seeking to harm the child. You might call the shepherds visit a journey. You certainly would call the wise men. And what would you call the Herod's troops who come to find the baby Jesus and kill so many children in that area? We can learn a lot from journeying. We travel a lot in our day, probably more than any generation ever before. We go on vacation, we go and visit family, we go on business trips, we go on mission trips, we visit hospitals or those in need, we go to our favorite sports events, we go and do hunting and golf or shopping and other sports and interest to us. We may travel a long ways and we have options on how to do it. Many are in our personal vehicles, a car, a van or a truck or SUV of some kind. At times you fly. The weather today is not good for that one. At times you may take a train or a bus or a cruise on a ship or ride a bicycle or walk. 
Seldom do we travel on beast of burden anymore. When we go, we make plans, which includes the kind of transportations where we may be staying, something about the places we'll visit or what we'll do, and about what it's going to cost and the things that we need. I figure all of those who are journeying in some degree are asking the same questions that we ask. They're also wondering what difference it's going to make. Their life is going to be interrupted also for a while. Just like ours, when we go, we have to have someone to fill in for work. Perhaps we're on vacation. There's a sub for us. We have to make chores up before we go. Do some maybe after return. Someone may come in and take care of our pets while we're away as we take time off. Enjoying being away. Journeying goes a little beyond just traveling. Now, do you remember the name of Ed Stafford? It appeared in the newspaper a little over three years ago now, about three years, two and a half years ago. It took him two years, four months, and seven days to enter into history. As the first man who walked across the continent of South America, the entire length of the Amazon River. Remember seeing something about that? I thought it was pretty impressive to me. I read a little more again on the story. Just, just wondered how someone would have all it took to make that event. It would take determination. I mean, who wouldn't want to quit somewhere in that two years? But he kept going anyway. But he knew that there was a destination on the other end. It was going to be looking out on the Atlantic Ocean where he started out looking on the Pacific Ocean. It was behind him. And that was why he would know it was an end. There would be nothing found at the end other than the ocean that he could have seen any time. A journey is a long, difficult process. Not just of taking a trip, but also of our own personal change and development. I believe that the wise men were on that quest. Again, that's about finding something you haven't seen before. When you go on those kinds of journeys, you know, there's some things that come along with it. For instance, in our emotions, we deal with the fact that there are apprehensions. Will we be safe when we travel? Will a task be left unattended while I'm gone? Will it cost me a lot? What will I miss with people and events in my life? I believe there are real questions that are in our minds when we ask, will we yet enter into a yearning in life that God may give us? He puts in front of us a task to do that asks of us more than we think. Are we ready for it? It also brings joy. I believe there was a lot of satisfaction on those wise men's faces when they reached the end of that journey. Don't you think so? When they're sitting there in front of that baby Jesus, they don't know who the name is. They just know they found the right one, and they built, bow down and worship him and give him the gifts. I believe they were so happy to do that. I bet they talked and talked and talked on the way home about what they saw. But it was now behind them. The journey was complete, except as they went and told others about what they had seen. There are other kinds of yearnings in the story of Christmas. I believe there's the yearning that Mary had when she wanted to go and see Elizabeth, who was her cousin. There was a yearning on her part when the baby grew inside of her, waiting for that delivery date. Every one of you mothers know that you yearn for that child finally to be born. It's about time, so to speak. I believe there was a yearning in Joseph to become a father once the Holy Spirit had straightened him out on his task ahead of him. I believe there was a yearning on the part of the shepherds as they wanted to go and see what was told them and of the wise men who came and visited them. 
we find something of what Christians should yearn for in the book of Matthew, last chapter, the great commandment, when he says, go into all the world. He gives us a commandment about going and teaching and baptizing in the name of Christ. And I look at that not as a mission statement, you know, this you shall do. I believe it's put there as a yearning for us to do. That it should be something that we have a compelling need to be about in some way or another as we tell the world around us about the love of God. Journeying is what Christians do. We find a way to be about the task that God has given to us. But you know, not everyone in the Christmas story does a journey. In fact, we never hear that Herod himself personally ever went to Bethlehem seeking this child. He simply sent his soldiers. And we're told that when the good news, the news came to Herod and to the people of Jerusalem, they also were troubled. We don't know that a single one of those people who were troubled ever traveled to five miles to Bethlehem to see if what was told them came true. They simply never took the journey. They were content where they were to hear about what had happened or might happen, but not to get themselves involved in it any way beyond what was necessary. When we come today, I believe sitting in church is part of our desire to be in a journey to what God wants to do of us, with us. It's also about the degree in which we're committed to it. How are we yearning? Jesus' yearning, to me, is best represented or represented well in John's chapter 6, verse 38, where it says, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven to the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. I believe that expressed the yearning of Jesus. That whatever life was going to hold, the ups and downs, the certainties, the change that would be in it, above all else, what he wanted in his heart was to do the will of his Father who sent him, no matter what personal costs came with it. He wanted to do that above all things. Paul also was a man in the scriptures of yearning. In Acts 16, it tells of him uh, wanting to go and visit the people in Asia and preach the gospel there. It was a deep, compelling desire there. But it went on to say, but the Spirit would not let him. And meaning the Spirit had, had another task in mind for him. And even though he wanted that moment to go right to Asia and begin to preach the gospel, he turned to do what the Spirit led him to do. In case you think that's a, a closed story, a yearning denied, only three chapters later it tells us that Paul is now in Asia where he's been preaching for two years with great success and now he's about to move on. So it wasn't long before that yearning just couldn't last any longer and he got the okay to go. He went into Asia and there began to preach the good news of Christ. There is a yearning. I believe our youth in some ways have led us in yearning as they send, go on mission teams to Honduras along with some of our adults and they go into North Georgia, they have a yearning to be about a ministry that cannot be confined to our own community. It goes beyond that. Ask us, can we be led beyond what is at home and what is easy? Can we go somewhere else? Jeannie likes to tell us every once in about Glory Ridge, a place she goes to up in North Carolina, She's got introduced to that, and she takes a week every summer and goes and meets other friends and enjoys being in mission. It's a passion of hers. A few years ago, in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina struck the Gulf Coast, we can remember that. Two weeks after that, 
Three people, I was in a small plane with a couple of other people, flew to Gulfport, Mississippi. We wanted to see what it was like and how we could help. We landed and met a local United Methodist pastor. He took us around the town, identified a place where we could begin, showed us a neighborhood that was devastated, a lot that was open where we could pitch our tents and stay. Went back to the church at that time, it was in Columbus, and told the congregation what we had seen. That's all we did. We didn't recruit. We didn't ask you to come. We said, we're going to go. People began to come to me and say, I feel the need, the urgency. Some even said, I have to go. I believe that describes a yearning as a sense in which there's another's need and over against what it's going to cost you in time or energy or effort in anything else, you simply want to help and you go out of your way to help. And they need it. I enjoyed going on a mission team twice with the church to Amazon Basin, a medical mission team that each year doctors and nurse and some others of different uh, trades would go down and share the gospel, help in medical ways, even build a church one year. And for 10 years, would go every year. Some always went, knew some years, to teach the gospel. There was an urging there was a need, a desire to do that, that kept them going year in and year out. We hope this year to begin a new ministry in our church through the Society of St. Andrews called a gleaning ministry. It's where through uh, the efforts of that group, farm produce that might otherwise never be consumed by human is recovered and made useful. Can be as simple as they bring a bulk form of produce to our parking lot and we help repackage it for distribution, or it may mean going to a packing shed or going into a field, but there's a timely need to help the hungry. And that's something we can do. If there's a yearning to do it, tell me an opportunity. I love to see when the yearning in a church begins with a layperson, not necessarily with the, the pastor or the staff or even the leadership in a church. And this, this case was, was two men in the congregation. Both were in leadership, but this was not how it began, not an official task. One man had a furniture business, very successful. He found one thing on his heart was that he often went out and delivered new furniture that people had just bought from him. And he would pick up what often was a very good condition furniture. People just got tired of it. He had nowhere to put it. He could not sell it. And so oftentimes his people would come back and take it to the dump. And he felt burdened by that, knowing there was a need. The other man involved had um, motels. And they would periodically change out furnishings in them, bedding and other things. Again, he's one of those people that had a quantity of that and nowhere useful to get it. And they got together and prayed about it and thought about it and realized that there are people out there that need all of this. How can we make it happen? So they got together, found others who were as passionate about it as they were, and from that point on developed a ministry. It wasn't circulated publicly, but known to those who could tell what was needed, where they would take homeless folks when they got ready to settle in and give them a house of furniture. Can you imagine that? All because of a yearning in someone's heart to help. Didn't mind what it cost them. They saw a need. And they went out of their way and for all the trouble it caused was small to them, in essence, because of what it could do. That's what God does. For us to have our ongoing ministries of the waste station and soup kitchen can only happen if there is a continual yearning in our congregation 
and the volunteers who make it happen. It happens because people will go out of their way, take their time and effort over and over and over again because they believe in it and they want to do it. No one's guilts you into it. You have a heart for it. But to yearn for something, you need to know, comes with a cost. Sometimes it costs us time. Sometimes it costs us resources. It may cost you talent, attention, or focus. It will also cost you your selfishness, your self-indulgence, and your apathy. That's what it costs us to yearn, to know that God has something for us. We want to be about it. A great parable in the New Testament is of the treasure found in the field where the man who went and sold all he had and purchased that field because it was of great value. He yearned to have it more enough, more than everything else he had put together. A great yearning. But you know, when God puts a yearning inside of us, we need to respond to it. If we don't, then in time it begins to diminish if it's unattended. Before long, it loses its strength in us. The need may still be there. The opportunity may still be there. Opportunity is there. We don't feel the need to give to it because we haven't attended to the urging, to the yearning that God puts inside of us. God is always calling, building a yearning if we pay attention to him. We might begin to ask, what can that be in 2014? Don't think simply in terms of what we've always done, but what is new that God may be calling us as a congregation to be about in a community? Are you within a church? Are you in a neighborhood where there are friends around you? Or as an individual, wherever God is calling you? Today we began our confirmation class. That's always exciting to me. It's more exciting to me than them at some point, but it'll gather steam in time. As they sit down at a table and begin to learn about the faith that's been around them and they've seen it in its action, they're learning more about it. They begin to learn. They begin to listen. They'll find out through parents and mentors what this faith is like. They'll find out that this, the church they're in does more than they ever imagined. They'll learn that the church is bigger than they've ever seen. The Christian church is far beyond the one they see every Sunday. It worships in different styles, has different looks about it. It's all one church of Christ. We learn that we're called to serve even as we have been served. We find ways that we can help our community, trying to build a passion or yearning in them that God may work in their lives. If he does that, then we've done the best thing. Every year at this time, people make New Year's resolutions. Well, you made yours, didn't you? You're now a week into it, right? How's it going? Oh, I don't know. Clint and I were at the gym yesterday. We, we kept wondering uh, how many people would be making that kind of resolution, you know, to go and work out and, and how long it'd stay with it. And it wasn't a crowd, by the way, there. That tells me something. How many they were, it's not as many as they were to start with. How about we make one for ministry? Not a resolution that's so easily passed, but simply open to let God give us a yearning, a desire where there may not have been one for his work and his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Our fathers, we come this morning receiving communion. We know that you've already given to us generously. Give us a heart to give in return, knowing that you've blessed us individually, as families, as groups, and as a congregation, and as a community. Give us a heart and the abilities and talents to do what you desire Above all things, in Jesus we ask.
Amen.